Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey podcast. I'm Randy. This week, I have a guest who I respect so much. It's Maria Pergolino, and she has had some amazing roles. In fact, she just accepted a role that has not even been announced yet, but this podcast was recorded a few weeks before it's going live. So she just joined a company called Active Campaign as their CMO. But if you look at her resume and the places that she's been before, we've got companies like Anaplan, where she spent you know just over a year with the very specific mandate to get them through an IPO. Before that, she had a stop as the Senior VP of Global Marketing and Sales Development at Aptis for over five years, where they had huge growth. And of course, any marketer knows a company called Marketo, obviously that strong purple brand where she led demand events operations. That's where I started to get to know her name early on. And, and her career dates back before that. She'll walk us through that today on the podcast. And what I really respect with Maria is, you know, the way she has scaled her career by, as she puts it, picking winners. And it's an interesting perspective because I think a lot of us, you know, we try and, as she put it, we try and find the right boss or the right opportunity for ourselves. But sometimes it's about finding the company where you're going to get worldly experience. You're going to get to see that scale. That's not always going to be the super early startup. Sometimes that is going with a company where you can get experience and you can see how they've done it right to date and where you can take that next. And Maria is going to tell us all about that. A quick little personal anecdote before we bring her in. I was so honored earlier this year when she called me to let me know that she had been past my book by another VP of marketing. And that to me was just exciting that someone at Maria's level had taken the time to read the book, had gone in from another marketer. So from someone I, I admire a lot, you're about to hear from her and a ton of great advice. Here we go with Maria. Welcome, Maria. This is going to be fun. We get to explore your journey, which is truly amazing. And, you know, you told me recently that, you know, you've picked some pretty good winners and have had an amazing career. But I I think you're just being a a little humble there. I think that you bring a pretty amazing recipe to these companies. Maybe you can just tell people what you're doing now. That's where we love to start. Like, where are you today in your professional marketing career? Yeah, so I have recently just joined a company, Active Campaign, a really special company, have had tremendous growth and really trying to bring the next generation of customer experience, marketing automation to SMB organizations and beyond. Amazing. So back in a world that you love, back in a world that you have conquered, which is that MarTech space. But Yeah, I'm back in MarTech. I haven't drifted far. I've only been in MarTech and sales tech, and I consider sales and marketing the same thing, the same function. So in my head, I haven't, I haven't really gone away, but I know that it is uh, kind of back to home a little. Amazing. So, and give us just some perspective to the scale of active campaign. Uh, if you can't tell us revenue, that's okay, but maybe just team size at least, you know, just general stage and maturity of that company. And, you know, how big is your team going to be on day one? Where do you see it getting to in the next year? It's so funny. I've just arrived. I actually don't even know something to answer that question, but what I do know is there's <laughs> over 80,000 customers using active campaign. It is a tool that is for uh, SMBs. So, 
that number may sound really large to companies selling to enterprise, but this company has a tremendous number of customers, has had great growth, um, and a lot of it organic, which is exciting, that it has been through referral and success of customers that have gone to other companies, which is kind of to your point of like me picking winners. Like I I am, I don't know about how you pick your jobs, but in, in addition to interviewing the team as they interview you, I do backdoor customer checks. I use the product. I went to a training class for the product all before I joined. I know that uh, I'm gonna, you know, I don't wanna feel like a used car salesman. I wanna be standing in front of a great company and proud to represent that. And that is definitely the case here at Active Campaign. Amazing. Well, listen, I, I, again, you keep saying that you pick winners, but I can tell you being on the flip side, getting to hire the exec team at my company, my mindset is I want to pick winners too. So let's kind of back up and unpack how, how you got to a point in your career that the company with 80,000 customers wants to hire you to be their CMO. Because I think that's what a lot of our listeners are trying to figure out is how did they, how did they accelerate their career so that they're in that position? So let's, you know, take me back, even just, we always do this for fun. Help me understand, what did you go to school for even? Like, was, was marketing always a dream? I think I'm rare in this answer, maybe. You tell me, but uh, yeah, I did my grad and undergrad in marketing. I won a marketing competition in high school, and it was my path, and it has been my passion. I'm very fortunate that I I found what I was going to love, and I what I chose to do, I made what I love, too, right? Like, I think you, we own a little bit of uh, deciding how much we enjoy what we do, and I choose to love every bit of it. Nice. Yeah. I, I saw that you went to the same school for both undergrad and grad, did your MBA at Rutgers. And, and it's funny, I did the same as you. I did marketing in undergrad and marketing in my MBA. The funny part for me is I tried to take finance courses and like a weekend, I was like, screw this. I'm going back. I'm doing more marketing courses because it's what I love. So it's, it's great that, you're, that you continue that passion. Just curious though, any bird courses that you took that you would have squeezed one more in of? It's funny. I probably would say finance. I definitely am a, a marketer that, that wants to understand the entire business. And I believe that I talk a lot about how it's crazy, the idea of sales and marketing uh, alignment issues since we're teams that are going to the exact same place. But I think think a lot about marketing and finance alignment, right? This is marketing is an investment and working with the team that makes investments is really, really important. And so I definitely focused on finance. The only dip out of marketing I did my entire career was a stint for about a year and a half as a financial analyst for a, a multinational organization. And and I think that still proves value to me today. It's, it was a good stop. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was looking at essentially your resume, which I, I love to do for these, these podcasts because we're looking at people's marketing journey and their career. And I saw that recently in 2017, you actually went back to school to Stanford and did a certificate in finance and accounting for the non-financial executive. So I, I know you had a big role. We're fast forwarding a bit to, to your time just before this at Anaplan where they went public. Is yeah. that a big reason? And, and maybe you can speak to the need for that next level of financial understanding as a marketing leader. 
Yeah, and again, I think as I've grown in my career, I think the CMO role is a role not about managing a marketing team. The reality is the marketers come to work to do great marketing every day. And marketing is a role, a, a discipline that you have lots of functionally specific excellence. There's somebody on the team that does social and somebody who does every day, you know, that thinks about email. And so I'm not going to tell that person how to do email better. They're coming to do great email, right? And so when I think about the CMO role, it's a role to help coordinate across that team, but to also coordinate with other functions. And I think really taking seriously the human part of that, which is aligning well to the HR team, that finance part and aligning well to finance, the sales part, obviously. And then very seriously, like, you know, I want to know the products where I'm at. I want to be a best case example. And and so I really think that C-level role is a role that is, even though it's aligned to a discipline, it's one that you have to be responsible for all of the roles. There are days that I put on a customer, you know, a customer success hat and I, I'm with customers all day because that's the right thing for the business. And I think the CEO should be able to call on the C-suite for that. I also think it's preparation for beyond that. Um, when I took that class, it was not for Anaplan, but it was to prepare myself in case I wanted to take a CEO role and to prepare for board roles. And I would challenge that anybody that can make it into that marketing chair that it is the best chair to sit in if you want to take a CEO role. It is the role in the organization that know that it's the beauty of a CMO role is you have to understand all the other roles to share the beautiful things that are happening in a company outside of the company. That's the whole role. You're telling everybody why they should, they should know and care about an organization. And so if you do have to know about all parts of the business to do that, that's a great chair to be in to then move into that CEO role. And so there was definitely some thought to that when I was taking that, um, that class. I love that. And, you know, it's, it's interesting the way you put that in terms of being able to work with all those different departments. Some, someone once put it to me in a, in a very bright way, which is, you know, as CMO, you often think, as, as you said, that our, your team is the rest of the marketers, right? They are your team, they're reporting to you and whatnot. But the reality is the other team you're part of is the executive team. Yeah. They're just as much your team as your marketing team. And I think taking some of those extra stops or education along the way, or even opportunities where some marketers may sway outside of marketing into other roles to better understand them allows you to better sympathize, empathize, and just work collaboratively with those groups. So couldn't agree anymore on there. I want to go back though. A few minutes ago, you alluded to not wanting to get in the way of that email marketer. Like they know how to send the email better than you probably at this point. Yeah. But, but you know, one of the things I, I think I respect when I look at what you've done in your career is you've been in some of those seats. You've had to get your hands dirty. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can maybe speak to one of the stops along the way where you got to do some of the nitty gritty marketing work that sets you up now to be able to trust your team, but also know whether they're cutting it or not. Yeah. And I do think, right. And when you think about executives and what their strengths are, you know, do you like your CMO or not? I think one of the things my team would say is they, they appreciate that I've been in the chair and have been in lots of different roles. And, and I think it's important in understanding, you know, the capacity of the team, helping prioritize for the team, I just told a marketer today a story when I was, it was before I went to Marketo, but we were using Marketo and I was trying to learn the tool and, and 
I was trying to send an email and I didn't know how to do something. And so it was taking me, you know, the whole afternoon. And my CEO came to me and said, hey, I send 100 emails a day. Why can't you send one? And, and it was a bad, it was a low point for me. But the reality is he didn't understand that I was trying to make sure that we didn't email anybody that we weren't supposed to and that we were really thinking about doing a customer first communication. And, and I think it is useful to have, to understand what the marketer's day is like because it may not be as easy as it may appear. So I do think the, those stops matter. And I think one of the things that, you know, when I started in marketing, it, it wasn't organized. We, there, we weren't thinking about demand and growth and performance marketing. I essentially started in what you would combine as field marketing and product marketing. I was the the sole marketer in a $300 million business unit for a chemical company. And so you're working on helping their field activations, but you're also helping put together the pricing. You're looking at the market. That opportunity, and if marketers can find this type of opportunity, I, I think it really helped shape my career. I was reporting in right to that group president who reported to the CEO of a massive organization. And that meant, because I was the sole marketer, even though I was more junior than some of the other leaders in the team, I got invited to the meetings and I got to see how the entire business was running. And I still today pull on some of the examples from that 15 plus years ago. You know, you see a hard situation. In that case, there was a plant that had a challenge and had a, an incident and how the team responded. That was crisis communications in a way that I... I am so excited that I had that view because I could empathize across the entire business. And so I do think to have a seat at the table, you have to get into that table. And if you can find that place, I would encourage a marketer to try to get there. That's, that's great advice. And yeah, I, I also had the, the good fortune of a great first job that gave me a lot of perspective. Uh, you know, one last question on this segment of the podcast that, you know, again, this is about thinking about how did you get where you are today? So you're the CMO of this large organization. Before that, you're the CMO of a company that went public. Making that jump from a director level or leadership level in the organization to being part of that C-suite. That's, that's a big jump that not every marketer gets to make. What would you say was the key for you? I mean, being at Marketo and the ride they had can't have hurt, you know, in, yeah. in terms of, of, you know, having that associated with your experiences. But what would you say was the key thing that you did where you took an initiative where someone can sit there and say, that's, that's what I've got to do to jump into that opportunity? I think I'd love to say two things here. One is I, I think the first thing we learn in a marketing degree is how, how to size a market and to understand the, the total addressable market and how to differentiate within it, you know, mark, basic marketing position and sizing. And and I do think it matters too. There's a lot of people maybe watching this podcast, but they go to work every day and it does not matter how good their marketing is. They could do the best marketing in the world and it's not going to make the market they're in bigger, right? Somebody right now is sitting marketing a DVD player and that's that market's not coming back, right? <laughs> and so this, I believe, is the first year where records outsold CDs. So, so sometimes what's <laughs> old again becomes new, but you have to choose your company as well. And it's not that... Some of that's on culture. I listen to people to say every day they choose a company by their boss. And I think that that's maybe the wrong choice. You know, sometimes being the critical person because the boss isn't that great is, is a real opportunity. And so I would encourage people to think about that maybe a little bit differently. That has served me 
really well. I would also say some of the high points of my career are also the low points and it's tricky. You know, I, there's moments where I've had to be a little bit demanding and I've had to be aggressive and I've had to say, no, I'm not going to do that work without this role or I'm not going to. Um, and I, I don't know that I've always balanced that the best, honestly. It's been a fight. It's, I think, for anybody, it's a fight to move up and to have a voice. And sometimes you make missteps with that. And what I've relied on through that, I think at the end of the day, I've really treated my discipline like I hope a surgeon treats theirs. I study it. I listen to podcasts. I mean, there's not a week that goes by that doesn't. I'm curious about my field. I try to stay on top of it. And ultimately, I hope the good marketing work I can do. And then paired with that, I've started to treat leadership that way, you know, over the last, you know, five, seven years where I study it, I talk to other people. I'm okay to say, hey, I don't know how to do this well. How, you know, I pair with HR. Here at Active Campaign, we have an amazing HR leader. You know, how do how can I leverage her to help me? And studying that craft and, and just trying to be better has helped, you know, when I get into tough places or I make the wrong move, ultimately the CEO is hopefully saying, you know what, that could have been done differently, but we think she's going to bring us good value. And I think that that, that really matters. I love that. I, I think that demonstrates a combination is, as you hit in there on being tough at the right times and also being very open at the right time, you know, to leverage those around you and, and, you know, help them and, and get help in return. So, so and great- honestly, I haven't done it perfectly. And, <laughs> but you know, you, you don't have to do it perfectly. You can, you get to have more than one job in your career and you get to have different managers and, And I'm going to jump in and say one other thing that I would recommend. We talk a lot about mentorship and having good mentors. I would strongly recommend to people that instead of mentors, they think about sponsors, somebody who they can hold accountable for helping them. So instead of saying to, let's say, a manager, hey, can you mentor me? Say, hey, if I do this work, if I achieve this goal, will you commit to helping me get to the next level? And even if it's not here somewhere else, like that's creating ownership for your success with other people, calling people up and saying, hey, you know, when your company has this type of opportunity to write for me, will you promise to give me a call? And people remember their commitments. It's not about liking or not liking or mentoring. It's like, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, right? And so getting that sponsorship where somebody says, yeah, I will help you can be career changing. And I would really encourage people to frame their questions maybe a little bit differently and make true asks. Absolutely. You know what? I love that. And, and I'm, I'm going to give you credit for not just saying that, but being someone who exhibits that because, you know, recently I was looking for a VP of marketing and you may or may not recall this because I'm sure you did a lot, but you, you had a list of people who I guess you are sponsoring or you're representing and you're like, these are the great people you should chat with Randy. And, you know, to me, I, I, I it carried so much weight. I carried so much respect for your re- references from that perspective. And I think more people need those those people. And a, a big part of that comes down to the network you surround yourself with. So, uh, you know, I guess that's another key takeaway for people tuning in here is you got to get to know marketers inside the business you're in and outside the business you're in currently. And I think you're right. And it's easier for me to sit down and do an hour mentoring with somebody. How many people can I do that for? But I keep a list at all times of marketers that I know that I think are uh, that are considering other opportunities. And it takes me five, five minutes, three minutes to send to somebody, hey, you should talk to that person. And even if that 
opportunity doesn't work out, it's now created a new network for people. And so it like creates more connections and now somebody else is mentoring them because on that call you're saying, hey, maybe you're not right for this role, but have you tried this and have you tried this? And so I think it's, I think I would, um, if it's a leader on the call, listening to this podcast, I would suggest, hey, keep that list and pass that forward. It also is nice because sometimes people will call and say, hey, do you know somebody for this? And then I'm going, wait, I want that. So um, <laughs> it's a, that, that's a nice, that's something that's, that's been a good, like, not trick, but I guess, you know, hack or whatever you want to call it that's worked really well. Amazing. Well, Maria, we're, we're not going to you know, get rid of you quite yet, but we are going to take a bit of a break here. We're going to come back. Okay. We're going to shift from talking about your personal journey to the journey of now 80,000 customers that you need to focus on and how you think about that coming in in your first couple of weeks. We'll be right back here on The Marketer's Journey. Want to create high converting experiences for your demand strategies that accelerate pipeline and drive revenue? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and Stantec are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies and we created one just for you head to uberflip.com journey to see how uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences to drive demand all right maria so we could talk about your career for hours because it's truly interesting and some of the places you've been are really amazing it's amazing how much more ahead you probably have but you know, you're probably at the stage of your career where you've not necessarily got the playbook, but you've got an approach that people hire you for. And the the thing that I think a lot of CEOs are trying to figure out, out these days is how do I create a better customer experience? How do I create a, a better journey? And I'm wondering what your approach is and how you'll be rallying this new team at Active Campaign in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think that's interesting. If we were to go, I love, I, I know everybody loves their paid tools. I like a couple of free ones and one would be Google Trends. I look at every every company, everything that I hear, I go and look how it's doing in Google Trends. <laughs> I compare things, but it becomes a little addictive if you don't check it out regularly. And if you were to put the phrase customer success into Google Trends, I did this recently, the phrase itself has had a dramatic rise. I would argue it is the biggest jargon phrase that there is. Like a course we want to keep customers it is the purpose of any business and so i think my first thing is trying to think about what is customer success really mean to the company and it does not mean perfect in every company there's a different bar when i call for some of the food delivery services that i've maybe had some challenge with later uh, lately i call and they'll say hey, I can give you a five dollar credit. And I say, well, can I talk to a manager? And they say, well, we, I am the manager. There's nothing you can do. And they're satisfied with that outcome. That's customer success. They, they made me kind of happy. I'm going to return because maybe that's my only option. And they gave me that five dollar credit. Somebody answered the phone and that's customer success for them. The company I'm at now, that would not be acceptable. Um, and ultimately, the one of the reasons I joined here, I thought it was amazing. I listened. Here's a little tip if you're considering jobs. For any opportunity I considered, I listened to a podcast or anything I could find by the CEO. And if I could, I listened to one that like was a year or two ago and one that was recently to see what they still said the same. 
and what has evolved. It gives you such power in an interview because you can speak to the things they're talking about. So that was my tip. But one of the things that the CEO here, Jason, an amazing marketer, and in addition to being an amazing leader said is every single, you know, again, I mentioned over 80,000 customers, every single customer that has an issue or that steps away, he reads the details of that. He's obsessed by it. And that was really meaningful to me that I was one, I realized that I'm just going to have to start every day doing the same thing so that when he sent an email saying, why did the customer say this, that I already knew about it. Uh, so I had to decide for myself, is that the executive I wanted to be? Was I willing to do that reading? Because if not, he and I weren't going to be aligned. But I saw the type of customer service he wanted to do, that ultimately the CEO was going to see this. And, and I liked that part. And so I think the first tip would be just understanding what does customer success really mean in the company? And I know that it does, we think it means everybody happy all the time, but I know in every company that's not the case. You have to figure out what the tolerance is, what the important parts of the business are. So here... In any company, there's there's customers you have that are less desirable, that maybe aren't profitable for you, that are maybe using the product in a way that isn't intended or that you don't want to be used that way because maybe it's for, you know, something illegal, something inappropriate. And understanding what that tolerance is, I think, would be the first thing before thinking about how big is the team, what's the budget, what's the structure, what are you really trying to do as a company? And that all ends with the customer. I know that's not the perfect answer. Oh, I love today. that. I, 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 these five steps, but I think every company is different. I think you have to be careful that it doesn't end up a buzzword. No, I, I think that's great advice. And especially a company, you know, like yours, I, I, you know, Active Campaign, you told me has been around for 15 years, I believe. I'm sure a huge evolution of those customers and which are the customers that you can best support today. We went through this recently at Uberflip and uh, I'll give a shout out to a woman named Kia Poom who we brought on. Kia's great. If you're ever looking for someone to kind of, you know, her framework is about the desired path of a customer. And, you know, we thought at first it was this customer success exercise, but she created what we called the tiger team. And the tiger team was made up of members of the success org, but also members of the marketing org and the sales org, and even the finance and operations org to, to all align on like, what is that path that we want to create? So I, you know, I love that first bit of advice you gave, which is really about listening. I'm wondering, other than listening, how... What are you doing to, to basically manage that journey that someone takes? You know, how are you prescribing it? And, you know, you, you got to know this question's coming from me, but is content a big part of that for you? Yeah. And so I think the way that one, you get to this is it is not customer journey is even though marketing now very much touches that it is something that's the entire executive team and should be done as an, ex an exercise across the executive team. And it's done in different ways. Sometimes it's informal. It's just, you know, from conversation known, and sometimes it's well-documented, an amazing woman, not myself, who at my last company, Anaplan, had won a, a serious decisions award because of how well she documented it with her team, her customer experience team. And I, I thought that was amazing. I think the first thing to note when you think about customers and marketing, we think so much, I mentioned this before about sales and marketing. When I think about sales and marketing, sales is often, in, when you have direct sales, when it's a B2B situation, direct sales is the front line, it's the one-to-one, -one, but marketing is the one-to-many. And that may be one-to-few when we're talking about enterprise sales and ABM, and it may be 
one to millions if you're talking about brand and early on and you can decide what's right. When I think about marketing and customers, to me, it is often very similar where marketing is that one to many and a CS team or telemarketing team or support team, however it's organized in your industry, is that one to one. And so I think mapping that out and really understanding what marketing's role is, is a part of that and building agreement there is the first thing. I found out here some of like what I would normally see in a customer marketing function sits in another organization here and it's really effective. And so don't go in with a playbook that is just, this is what you do. Understand what you need to achieve as a company and then see where there's gaps and then build the team to those gaps. And what you're going to find is you're joining an organization is you're not going to create as much friction by saying this is the way it has to be, but you're going to start adding value because you're filling in where there's, there's holes. And so here we looked at, Hey, how are, I did it even before I came, how are we doing with different review sites? Where are customers saying positive things? Where are the customers bringing their challenges? And can we make, you know, can it, are there places where the marketing team can support where there's challenges and how do we do that? And I know that sounds very basic, but I do believe it's that practical. I think a lot of us start sometimes with software to solve problems. I often start with a piece of paper and pen. I try to map it out and I look for where there's going to be holes. And I then may say, I'm going to solve it with software, but I think just thinking about where you can make a difference is really important. Oh, I, I think that's great advice. And, you know, it's interesting. This past week, I had an advisory day with uh, Forrester and one of the analysts there, Laura Ramos, who I love. And I love Laura. She's the best. She's the best. And Laura said to me, you know, like you, you mentioned ABM. ABM is still so early in terms of how we're executing on it. And she said, at this point, you know, and, and maybe this isn't great, but the, the biggest win that companies can cite from ABM is better alignment between sales and marketing, right? And I would offer that ABM mindset probably, as to your point, also crosses over into customers and customer marketing and, and that alignment happening there as well. But that's such a big part of it is just coming to the table together to think about how we solve for these individual accounts forces us to have those conversations. And to your point, really think about you know, filling those holes, which is just fantastic advice. I need to bring up it's such a good point. You can literally take whether you use like a model or a funnel or however you document your sales process, you can copy that and use that almost exactly for your customer six, you know, for customers post acquisition. And you should have a path for both. And then I would I would challenge everybody to even do one step further and do that for employee acquisition and how are you bringing your, you know, how are you finding the great talent for your organization? It's the same thing. It's, it's creating awareness. It's making sure that people are finding what they need, creating success and marketing has a place to help in all of those areas. But the important thing is not in all of those cases, you're not doing it alone and doing it in partnership with the teams that, that may ultimately have that final piece of responsibility. Marketing is never going to own the number of people hired or, you know, may not own that customer retention number. So you do have to partner really well. Marketing is a, a team sport for sure. Amazing. Well, that, that feels like a mic drop line being marketing as a team sport. So we're, we're going to finish there, Maria. This has really been a pleasure to have you on the podcast and to talk about two ends of a journey, your personal and that of your customers and, you know, your future customers. But I, but one of the things I love about you is, is 
you know, we often think about CMOs as the ones to generate leads and pipeline, but 90% of what you ended up talking about is the customer. And, and oh, I think that's, that's, awesome. that's, that's, you know, the way the, the CMO has got to think is, is the success of the customer at the end of the day. So I, I thank you for sharing that with everyone. If you've got a couple of minutes, if people listening to the podcast have a couple of minutes, we're going to, you know, end with a little bit of fun. We've covered the meat. So this is more of right. Maria stick around. And we are going to talk about one more question after this short little pause. All right, Maria. So we've talked about two journeys so far, your career journey, the journey of your customers, as we called it. Now let's talk about a great journey that you've taken. You know, what's the best trip you've taken to decompress in the last, let's give it five years. Yeah, we're not going to go far back. I am... I earlier this year stepped away from an amazing company, Anaplan. Um, it was, uh, I had had, I'd gone literally the day that I left uh, a brand, Marketo, that, that many of you likely know. I walked into the door of Aptis after four years of Marketo. I then was at Aptis for five years. And then I went to Anaplan to help them, as you mentioned, with that public offering and, and getting you know, making some strides with their marketing. And I was looking for a break, but I wasn't stepping away from a great brand like Anaplan for a tiny break. I went and spent well over uh, a month in Europe and it was incredible. I went through the Mediterranean, started in Spain, went into France, then Italy, followed down the boot, went over to Greece, then up to Croatia and Montenegro, and then back over to Italy. And it was incredible. I, um, I thought I would go crazy not working, and I realized that I am excited for the day where I am not working. There's a lot to do in this world. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I got to go to Croatia about two years, a uh, year and a, and a half ago now. It is beautiful. Did you get to Havar? I did not. What is Havar? Oh, see, so now you got to go back. It's just like quaint little island. Montenegro, I heard. I didn't get to Montenegro, so oh. I got to get there, I guess. But uh, I, I went to Dubrovnik. Did you get to Dubrovnik? Yeah, I went to three islands off of Dubrovnik, but I don't know the name of those three. Like we okay. kind of spent the day like uh, boating around and nice, nice. Some of those boats are wild, huh? It's um, what I would say that I wish I had done less places because we kind of like rushed through some of them. Um, I know a month sounds like a long time, but it went really fast. But it was. I mean, just, I think as people were meant to be near water and it's so fun to, to wake up, see water, have sun. It, it's an amazing, uh, That's awesome. amazing place. All right. So, you know, last bit of career advice, how often do you make sure to take some vacation time during the year when you're, when you're running a marketing team? Okay. Here is my, I have uh, definite tips here. So uh, first thing we're, we're towards the end of the year. Go get next year's holiday calendar. And every three-day weekend, go take one extra day, make it a four-day. A four-day trip feels like a week. And go plan something for like That's every great. one of them. So know what you're doing. Normally, every company has a January or February four, you know, three-day weekend. Make it four-day. Go plan something now. I already have mine planned. I will be heading to New Orleans with some friends continue that through the year. Make sure Memorial Day, 4th of July, 4th of July, take that week, go plan something great. 
you'll get so many, you'll get five or six vacations in and you won't have to, you know, I'm with very fast growing organizations. I can't be gone, you know, for big chunks of time, but I make sure that I get some time in. And sometimes that's with family on Thanksgiving and, and, and during the winter holiday, uh, for me, it's Christmas. I take a week or two and make sure that that's blocked off. And so that is definitely a big tip. And then, you know, I there I maybe don't do as well taking the vacations I, I should. The other thing I try to do, you know, our responsibility is to make sure our teams uh, stay healthy as well. And so I sit down and I suggest that to my team too. But also I try really hard as a leader to not send weekend emails. I don't want somebody to feel like on their Saturday they have to watch their phone. If they are going to need to help on a Saturday or Sunday, let's say we have a board meeting coming up, I like to give advance notice. Hey, this is coming up this day. Maybe, you know, take a day off or work from home earlier in the week because later in the week or over that weekend we might need you. But other than those situations, I really try hard not to send those weekend emails. And I think it really gives people a time to recharge during the year as opposed to just that one vacation. I think it's a, a really big deal. Those are some great tips, Maria. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I feel I feel like we we took the personal one and we made it even more great, you know, marketer journey advice for for many people tuning in here. I thank you so much for everyone who's been tuning in. You'll hear the message coming up. But if you love this podcast, check out all the other ones with great marketing leaders today. All good ones, yeah. Amazing. It's they're great, and you've been an amazing guest to have. Always love chatting with you, Maria. Thanks so much for stopping. Thank you. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 